You're listening to ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. If you turn on the news, you hear about MRSA on every Health Watch program. But is there another multi-drug-resistant superbug that maybe you need to know about? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, your host, and with me today is Dr. Arjun Sernivasan, medical epidemiologist from the Division of Healthcare Quality Promotion at the CDC. Dr. Sernivasan is a graduate of Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. He did his internal medicine residency and ID fellowship at Johns Hopkins. He is adjunct assistant professor at Emory University Medical Center. He is on the rapid response team at the CDC which investigates outbreaks of infections at hospitals and other healthcare settings. But a major portion of that job is not just to diagnose the cause, but to implement change to prevent the causes of the outbreaks from happening again. Today we're discussing the outbreak of another superbug you may not know about, a Cynetobacter species, which also has multidrug resistance. Thanks for being with us today, Dr. Cernivasan. Thank you, Dr. Johnson. It's my pleasure. Tell us, how did you get involved or with the outbreak of Acinobacter. When did this epidemic start? So the outbreak that we became involved in was uh, one that was initially recognized by the military soon after combat operations began in Iraq and Afghanistan. And they called us primarily because Acinetobacter has been very well recognized for many, many years, an important but uncommon cause of healthcare-associated infections. It's rarely been described as a cause of outbreaks of healthcare-associated infections. And given our background and expertise in investigating infections in healthcare settings, the military invited us to participate in their ongoing investigation of a very large number of infections with Acinetobacter that they were seeing in service members who were injured in the Middle East, and then coming back to uh, U.S. facilities for medical care. Now, Acinetobacter is aerobic and gram-negative, correct? That's right. It's a gram-negative organism, which, of course, is different from uh, MRSA, which is a gram-positive organism. So who is most at risk and who's affected by it? Well, so unlike the situation with MRSA, where uh, MRSA has emerged as a problem in the community, Acinetobacter remains pretty much exclusively an infection that's in the domain of healthcare. In fact, this is an infection that is largely confined to the intensive care unit setting in healthcare or to uh, patients who are in trauma intensive care units. For some reason, Acinetobacter tends to be associated with people who have large wounds, as we've seen in the military cases, and it's uh, an infection that occurs in people who are uh, in intensive care units, usually with very long prior lengths of hospital stay before they acquire the organism. So this is not one that you're going to encounter in a, a clinic practice for the most part, but certainly might be one that you, you will see if you're rounding in an intensive care unit. Or a, a VA? Yes, certainly in the VA settings. If you're in a VA where there are a lot of service members who might have been injured in Iraq and Afghanistan, it may be an organism that you'll encounter there as well. So tell us some more about the relationship with the military and Iraq. So we began working with the military back in 2003 to investigate these cases of Acinetobacter that were occurring among some of the injured service members. And we began that investigation with basically three hypotheses as to why why these infections might be occurring. 
One issue is whether or not the service members might have developed colonization of their skin with Acinetobacter. And then, of course, that bacteria could get into a wound during an injury where the skin was abraded, as oftentimes happens in uh, many of these injuries. The reason why that was a hypothesis that was put forward is that Acinetobacter colonization of the skin has been reported in the literature, particularly in residents of uh, desert types of environments. So that was one hypothesis that we were exploring. The other issue is we know that Acinetobacter lives in uh, soil and water environments. So another potential hypothesis was the fact that perhaps Acinetobacter was being introduced into wounds um, when there was a lot of soil that got into the wounds. One of the things that was pointed out by the military experts were that these injuries that were occurring were oftentimes occurring in situations where there was an explosive device that was buried in the soil. And so the injury occurred with a tremendous inoculum of soil into, uh, uh, into the wound. I could see that. Yeah, so that was one of the other theories that had been put forward. And the final theory that we wanted to explore was the possibility that Acinetobacter was a uh, contaminating the military medical treatment facilities uh, throughout the continuum of medical care. And the reason why we explore that possibility is Acinetobacter is an organism that is very well known to survive for extended periods of time in the environment. And contamination of healthcare services has been described as a cause of outbreaks in uh, hospitals in the United States. And so we certainly wanted to explore that possibility as a cause for these infections in the military. But it wasn't seen before Afghanistan and Iraq with other deserts or desert There actually storm. had been reports of Acinetobacter infections during the Vietnam conflict. They were not to the numbers that we were seeing in, the, uh, the, in this current situation, but they had been described in the past in association with, in association with traumatic uh, wartime injuries. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, and I'm privileged to speak today with Dr. Arjun Cernivasan from the CDC in Atlanta. We're discussing a hospital superbug you may not know about, actinobacter with multidrug resistance pneumonia. So does it target healthy as well as immunocompromised hosts? Acinetobacter infections really tend to occur in patients who are compromised for some reason, either uh, immunocompromised or compromised because of what we do to them in healthcare. We put them on ventilators, uh, put catheters in, put them on broad-spectrum antibiotics. It's really not an infection that we see in healthy, normal healthy hosts. Where we do see it in previously healthy people are people who are uh, injured in some way. Uh, in trauma centers where you're dealing with people who are coming in with very severe uh, accidents that bring them to uh, trauma centers in the United States, uh, and also particularly in the military facilities where we're seeing a lot of Acinetobacter among service members who are severely injured in Iraq and Afghanistan. And of course, that's a population that is extremely healthy at baseline, but these Acinetobacter infections have been a, a significant uh, problem and a challenge in taking care of soldiers who are injured in the in this conflict. What organ systems are affected? You mentioned dirty wounds and there's a pneumonia, correct? That's right. So the, the predominant infections I think that we see with Acinetobacter are wound infections, of course. Pneumonia is also one of the more important infections that Acinetobacter tends to cause. And then bloodstream infections are somewhat less common than those other two. Is it being diagnosed and treated appropriately? Is it easily cultured and identified? It is certainly easily cultured and identified. 
side. And so with Acinetobacter, identifying the organism is oftentimes the least of the challenges. There are a couple of challenges, I think, that Acinetobacter poses. One is the issue that oftentimes patients who are critically ill and in intensive care units for long periods of time can become colonized with Acinetobacter. And hence, recovering Acinetobacter on a sputum culture may or may not even be indicative of a true infection. It could simply be tracheal colonization with the organism. So that's one of the challenges that clinicians oftentimes face, particularly in diagnosing Acinetobacter pneumonias, um, because as you know, uh, ventilator-associated pneumonia is in and of itself a very difficult thing to diagnose. And now you're talking about an organism that's traditionally of very low virulence. It doesn't tend to cause infections that commonly. And figuring out whether or not a patient has a simple colonization or a true infection can be difficult. So the intensivist or pulmonologist has to diagnose between normal flora and a contaminant. Exactly um, right. And exactly a true, right. something that's really virulent. Yeah. And so that's one of the uh, initial challenges in acinetobacter is figuring out whether or not it's actually caused causing an infection, you know, easier to do if you're talking about recovery in a blood culture, much more difficult when you're talking about recovery in a sputum culture in a patient who's already on a ventilator, perhaps an ARDS who has a very abnormal chest X-ray and, you know, could have a host of reasons potentially to have a fever. So if it's in a wound and the subject has been part of the military or Iraq, we may pick up on it fairly quickly. But if they're in ICU setting and it's pneumonia, they may only pick up on it if they're not responding to traditional antibiotics? That might be the case, or they might pick up on it if the person, you know, has clinical signs of a pneumonia, and then acinetobacter might be recovered. And so, in, in general, the best way that we pick up on this is because the person has evidence of an infection, and then a culture is obtained. You know, it's important to note that just as acinetobacter can be a colonizer in the trachea, it can sometimes be a colonizer in a wound. And so if you have a patient who does not have signs of symptoms of a wound infection and then a culture is obtained, it may grow acinetobacter, but then the dilemma that you're faced with is, well, this person doesn't really have evidence of an infection, so what do I do with this result now that tells me that there is bacteria growing in this wound? So the diagnostic challenge is the first one that we face with acinetobacter. And the second one is, of course, the treatment challenge that we face with acinetobacter. Acinetobacter has a tendency to be very, very resistant to antimicrobials. The organism comes with a number of intrinsic mechanisms for resistance, so it's intrinsically resistant to a lot of antimicrobial agents. And we've learned that acinetobacter organisms do a tremendously good job at picking up resistance genes from other types of bacteria. Thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. I want to thank Dr. Arjun Cernivasan from the CDC in Atlanta, who's been our guest, and we've been discussing a superbug that you may not know about, acinetobacter and microbial resistance. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions on this or any segment, send your email to xm at reachmd.com, and thank you for listening.